0: Welcome back, everybody. This is Eric here with Iraq Veteran 8888. Today, I've got another Gun Gripe episode for you, and I have a special guest here with me today. This is Matt
1: Mallory from Meet the Pressers. Welcome back. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Glad to be back.
0: Yeah, Matt's been on the channel here, uh, you know, a few times mm-hmm. uh, on some various content, and he happened to be, you know, coming down... To Georgia to do some training. And it's always a great opportunity to have some guests here on the channel. So he decided to drop in and cut some videos with us. And in today's Gun Gripe, we're going to be discussing traveling with firearms. There's a lot of misconceptions, Uh, there's a lot of misunderstandings and shortcomings that people have. And to be clear, I mean, there is a lot of confusion. We're going to kind of dive into that a bit and discuss some of these things. And I think you'll come away from this particular video hopefully with a much better understanding of you know what it's like to travel with firearms across the United States. Before we get started, I would like to thank our friends at Sonoran Desert Institute for supporting gun gripes. If you're looking for a career in gunsmithing technology, they are an awesome group of people to look into. Their instructors are amazing. Their curriculum is great. Uh, they accept a lot of different types of financial aid. So if you want to take that path into the gun industry, and have a career in gunsmithing, check them out. Uh, SDI Sonoran Desert Institute and tell them we sent you. Very cool. So um, when it comes to this whole paradigm, Chad and I have kind of uh, you know bounced around on this idea a little bit here and there in a few of our previous gun gripes, but I don't think we've ever done like a complete dedicated episode where we've just talked about, you know, some of the the finities of of what it's like to travel with guns. Yeah. Now you're a firearms instructor. And you do travel a lot for your job. For sure. And also, you are a law enforcement officer. So you kind of got a little bit of perspective where you you know what it's like to, to travel around with, with guns because you're going all over the place to teach. Right. But you also have that perspective of knowing that, all right, the policemen in in whatever random state you travel to, they don't know you're a policeman right. unless they pull you over or something. But you also kind of realize, like, hey, I'm not in my home turf. Like, you know, I'm I'm— I'm out here just like anyone else. And it can get confusing when like every state has all of their own random rules and laws that you got to follow. And there's all the carry reciprocity differences and like, oh, well, you know, this permit doesn't have reciprocity with this state. And you got to plan your route and think, all right, these are the states I'm going to be passing through. I mean, isn't all this just really
1: confusing? Yeah, it's a lot of work for sure. You know, and. And in, in some sense, being law enforcement, it, it does give me a little bit of, you know, the professional courtesy might be extended, doesn't necessarily mean it would be, um, but it, it's still a concern even in my mind because I'm going to a state that doesn't allow high-capacity magazines. Like New Jersey is even tough on law enforcement from other states coming into New Jersey. So even in that case, I, I limit, even myself, I usually try not to, if I can help it, take anything over a 10-round magazine out of New York State just so that I don't have to worry about the hassle or any issues. And I, I've always had this um, higher level of thinking – is what I call it when I teach my students, that if you if you do everything you can so that you're in compliance with the law, no matter where you go, like Castle Doctrine and Stand Your Ground, yeah, Castle Doctrine Stand Your Ground is a thing, but if you if you make the choice of getting away and not standing your ground, right, getting away and not defending your castle and, and not being in the fight, then they can't charge you with something, right? So no sure. matter what state you're in, in the entire country, you're going to be safer that way. And I'm, I'm trying to keep that same mindset where if I never bring more than a 10-round magazine out of New York State, no matter what I'm bringing out of New York State, I'm, I can never have an issue. It's, it's a, it's a sure. moot point.
0: Yeah, so, so you're you're sort of applying the lowest common denominator exactly. of what you know the, the rules might potentially be, right. depending on where you go. So let me play devil's advocate a little bit with this. And I think a lot of people, and I would imagine also including yourself, you're probably wired just like this too, because I know, I know you and you've been on the channel before. Yeah. But when you look at, all right, all the states that are trying to push constitutional carry. All right, so you get into this weird, and I don't want to call it a slippery slope, because to those of us that are very pro-gun and we understand, you know, the sanctity and, and sacredness of firearms ownership and what that means to us as people, like, it's ingrained in our existence. It's ingrained in who we are. It's part of our identity. So, like, being a firearms, you know, owner is is something much more than just simply some words on a paper that says, shall not be infringed. Like, the Second Amendment is a lifestyle that we live and It is ingrained and has become a very important part of our everyday life. So— when you, you see these states that are trying to push constitutional carry, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. It's great to see. It, it does make you feel happy to know that I think right now 22 states have constitutional carry. That's great. Um, but there's this weird little kercuffle that kind of exists here, right? And, mm-hmm. and look, states' rights are a thing. So that's kind of what we get into is where... You know, you don't want to be able to tell someone, well, you have to apply the... All right, so say, like just like we talked about before when we had the discussion with selective enforcement. Now, if you guys haven't seen that gun gripe, Check it out if you haven't seen it. It's the one that we put together where we talked about how they'll selectively enforce. Like, let's say the feds, for instance, will selectively enforce how they're going to carry out, you know, certain like, okay, they're going to be really strict on guns, but they're going to be really lenient on another type of of federal law. Right. Selective enforcement. We go into all of that detail. The point is, though that does sort of come back to states' rights. And when we get into like traveling with guns and, okay, one state may say, well, we've got really, really strict laws regarding, let's just say, the carrying of firearms in our state, be it some type of a firearms owner identification card that, that is mandatory yep. or maybe a mandatory training that has to occur. And the reason that they won't uh, accept Reciprocity with another person, another state's, um, you know, carry uh, weapons, carry permit is because they may not require training, and that might literally be the only reason. Because every state that has reciprocity with them has to at least meet the standards that they set forth. Right. Now it's frustrating. Now what I was trying to trying to get to more or less is that yes, it's frustrating when, you know. States' rights can be a really awesome thing because it's like, all right, cool, I'm not subject to this really dumb thing that the feds are doing. But then it can also go the opposite direction when it's like, well, I want my dang freedom, Look at all these other states that have constitutional carry, mm-hmm. but you have to respect the sanctity that each state has, you know, eventually, right. you know, they have to be able to set their own rules how they need to. For sure. And I guess that's up to you on the state level to kind of fight those fights where they need to be fought. If constitutional carry is being pushed in the state you live in and you're not doing anything to support it, well... You know, you can't exactly be upset
1: with what happens. Right. And and you're making a good point as far as the, you know, the constitutional carry and bills turning into laws. People got to understand, too, that new politicians come in all the time. So if you're up to par on the laws in one state and then next thing you know, overnight they get a new governor or a new attorney general or whatever, uh, that law could have changed. So if that law changes and you don't know, ignorance of the law is not a defense. You can't say to the officer, I didn't know that officer. They can be like, great, now you do. You're under arrest or here's your ticket or whatever, right? So knowing those laws is one thing. Keeping up with them is a whole different thing. And then the intricacies between the states and how you know the you know, how that changes. Like you can't carry, even I can't carry into a, a federal or a state park in a state unless I have, even under Leosa, being you know having Law Enforcement Officer Safety Act, I can't carry in a state park or into a federal park in a state unless I have a license of reciprocity in that state right now professional courtesy is typically going to cover me there but that doesn't mean that it will everywhere so on the higher level i, I think to myself okay if i'm going to go camping or hiking in a state park or a federal park in a specific state i might. It might behoove me to probably get that extra license in that state just because I have a badge. I still have I have a Utah license. I have a Florida license, I a P.A. license. I have licenses in other states. I have a New York pistol license. I don't have my guns on my badge. And that's something that I preach to law enforcement all the time. And we see it in the news. Your job's gone like that. Or you're on administrative leave with no weapons. They take your badge. You take your gun and say, go home. It's with pay, without pay. What does it matter? If it's something that's gun related and you're sitting home with no gun to defend yourself and the jury of public opinions out there saying that you're a dirtbag and we're going to come and kill you because you shot this young kid or whatever. And you have nothing to defend yourself because your guns were on your badge. You're going to be rethinking that. So get a pistol license yeah. if your state requires it, like New York does. Um, and then that way you, you have your own guns that are separate from your job in law enforcement. That's yeah. w- another bit of advice to give to law enforcement in New York.
0: I think that it's certainly a two-way street in terms of how those, those types of situations can be approached. I mean, on one end— Okay, say you show up on federal land to I don't know whether it's it could be as something as innocent as I'm going camping and I want to have a sidearm. I'm yeah. like, okay, there's bears. I mean bears, stuff happens, movies. right? Like yeah. you, for whatever reason you want to carry on federal land is is kind of irrelevant really. Like yeah. your reasons are your reasons mm-hmm. and it doesn't have to, you don't have to have a reason, but be that as it may, okay, so you show up to the gate and they see you, you that you have your you know your badge or whatever and that you've identified yourself as law enforcement. That can go two ways. Like on one end, they may go, "Well, you should know better," and sometimes they may say that, or it may say, or they may say, "Well, you know, yeah, you're supposed to have this next time. You need to understand. You need to have this, but yeah, just just go about your business." Right. But the average person doesn't have that professional no, courtesy, no, right? The, not usually. The, the average person will have the book thrown at them in yeah. every single way possible. So that's why it's important to understand that. Not only do you need to know the destination state you're going to and what their laws are, you need to know what what states you're passing through. Exactly. So that, is, that can be really confusing. And especially like right now, over these last couple of years, we've had so many new gun owners. Hmm. It's crazy. Right. Right. And you look at and I'm not trying to paint this with a weird brush or anything like that, but you look at like the varying amount of demographics of people that have become gun owners as well. Right? I mean, you've got more ladies than ever that have decided to protect themselves. Lots of women are buying guns and that's awesome. Right? There's a huge diversity in the amount of people in the type of people that are buying firearms, but that also presents unique challenges and making sure that you know not only are law enforcement not going to have to be put in some weird situation but but you right like at the end of the day, being pulled over for some type of an issue is an is an inconvenience of course that maybe can be avoided if people just you know take a little bit of time now my the way I look at it that two way street. Is that I would just love to see you know nationwide constitutional carry, and then see that makes life easier on everybody because then the police don't have to worry so much about you know oh well there's this stupid little like specific ordinance that we have to enforce here in this area or here's a state law that you know really only applies here and maybe a few other places. You know I- I'm sure that at the end of the day they don't like to have to mess with it any more than anyone else does, yeah. and imagine how many times. In one of those types of states that someone's been pulled over and the cops had to say, yeah, you can't do this. And after a while, it's like after so much explanation, you kind of realize that like what the standard that you're applying to someone in that situation is just because it doesn't exist anywhere else. That it's it's only it's such a localized thing for you and your state that after a while, you kind of have to realize maybe the cops start to realize Maybe this isn't common everywhere. Like maybe mm. we're the only people doing this, and right. you know maybe we need backwards. to change. Yeah, we're backwards. Yeah, maybe it's everyone <laughs> else that's right and we're wrong. And and sometimes it takes a little courage to kind of do some intros- introspection and kind of go, maybe we need to change. Maybe, right. maybe this isn't public at large that it's their fault. That I mean, any logical person would do X, Y, Z with a firearm, be it in the way they carry it or the way they travel with it. And maybe we're the wrong ones that are wrong by, by just. Yeah, maybe we're wrong
1: for yeah. sure a couple things there one um you know my first the thing i like to preach a lot is intent you know what's the intent unfortunately you know, there is written in laws, most laws, country, uh, federal laws, etc. in different states, intent is a big part, portion of that. But I think as a society and politicians and law enforcement have gone that down that realm like, well, the professional courtesy or the, you know, the discretion is thrown out the window and they don't look in intent as, mu- as much anymore. They, they just say, well, you, you know, you're in breach of the law. Who cares? Well, what was the intent? Did the person intend to do something wrong? Because that's what the laws are made for is to catch people that were intending to do stuff bad, bad stuff. So if somebody innocently is. Doing something wrong, and they just need to be educated on it. I get it. Ignorance to the law is not a defense, but in some sense, you know, as a peacekeeper and law enforcement, you know, enforcing the law is one thing, but also educating people on the laws is, is another aspect.
0: But of the that. law also can't be one that's drawn out of ignorance in the first place, because sure. if if a law is so, you know, let's just say. Anti logical. Like, if, right. if, if everything that the, if the premise of everything the law was passed under is, is simply, you know, because of tyranny or because of their ability Fear. to access their, you know, authority over people, then that's not the right reason. Like, laws true. have to be purpose driven. Like you said, it, there has to be some distinctive thing that, let's just say, the citizens in general have you know, had an issue with, I mean, that's, that's why we have laws. You know, you complain to the government, the government passes a law, All right, It's a law, right? But you, you it's kind of weird how it doesn't ever go the opposite direction. Like a law gets passed. And f- like, for instance, here in Georgia, I hope I'm right on this. I'll have to, I'll have to go through and, uh, and, and, and check this again. But for a long time, there was this, this old anti-poaching law on the books in Georgia from like the early 1970s, <laughs> uh, And it had to do with like where you can't carry a loaded long gun in your vehicle. Yeah. And somehow that got like sort of mashed together to where now the police just say, well, you can't have a loaded long gun in your car when the original intent of the law was for hunting, for poaching. They they were worried back then, I guess. New York's the same way. People would ride around with a long gun in their car and then pull off on the side of the road and shoot a deer, which is considered poaching. You're not supposed to shoot from a roadway. You're not supposed to shoot from a vehicle. And somehow... They took that basic idea that, oh, you can't have a loaded long gun when you're out hunting in your vehicle or something. It's something along those lines. And I don't even know. It may not even be that the law anymore. But here's the thing about it, too, is that regardless of what the law is, sometimes there is the law and then there's the perception of what the law is. So if the law enforcement officers in the state have been like, well, you can't carry a loaded long gun in your vehicle. And they, and they've been told that for years and years and years and years, and they've been and enforcing they've it, like it that. Yeah. for years and years and years. It doesn't really matter what the law actually is or what right. the original intent of the law is. All it matters is the way that it's applied in terms of how it's enforced. Yeah. It's
1: the same way with, uh, um, Gravity Knives in New York State. That was a, It was originally something uh, with the old paratrooper knives where you turn it upside down, the knife would come out and lock into place. Well, now uh, New York City was arresting people for just having a regular thumb-assisted knife where if you could use gravity to open it and lock it in place, then they would apply that law to that knife, which is... You know, it's ridiculous. That's not the initial intent. So recently they actually had a lawsuit uh, and that was removed from the penal code, I think 2019, if I'm not mistaken. I want to go back to constitutional carry because you had mentioned that. And there's something that, you know, I was breaking it down and thinking about if federally they make constitutional carry a thing, I honestly believe New York will just ignore it. I honestly think New York will say, well, because if you think about it, we've got harboring fugitives. We've already got sanctuary states, sanctuary cities in New York. And then on top of that, you've got marijuana is legal, like legal medicinally, legal rec- recreationally. So do you really think that New York State's going to abide by a federal law that says anybody can carry a gun in New York State? I don't think so. I think New York's going to have state rights, and they're just going to be like, what are you going to do, federal government? And the federal government hasn't done anything to enforce those first two things I just mentioned. So are they really going to do anything if. They don't enforce the gun.
0: Yeah. And how do you know that that it's not just um, really controlled opposition in the first place? You know, how do you know that the feds aren't in bed with with New York in terms of the way that they're applying this stuff? If if, how do you know the feds didn't say, well, we'll tell you what. Okay, you're you're going to legalize marijuana. You go right ahead. We're just we'll, we'll stay out of here and leave you alone. Yeah. Could be like a, there could be some underhanded behind the door. gentleman's agreement. There ain't yeah. no telling, right? True. So you're right. Politics. You know, just because it is politics, and just because federally, let's say we ever get constitutional carry, it doesn't mean that there's still not going to be law enforcement officers out there that want to frisk you over some stupid crap or give you a hard time. Yeah. Now, okay, well, you'd be right, and let's just say in, in every legal sense, if there was a federally uh passed constitutional carry law, yeah. But does that also mean that they wouldn't try to give you a hard time? I mean, yeah, there's there's probably going to be places where old habits die hard. And even if we did get nationwide constitutional carry, that's not to say there's not going to be any group of people out there who are—I mean, look, the way I kind of look at it is like this, is when someone has, let's just say, position of office, whether it's, it's something as simple as, hey, I'm a police officer, or I'm— uh, a clerk at the DMV, or I run the DOT traffic cameras, and I, I'm responsible for sending out tickets to people for running red lights. It could be anything. All right, I've worked for the road crew, and I'm whatever. Whatever. Any amount of power that someone is given, even if it's just a, a type of power that maybe they just perceive it as power and it's not really power, right? Like your duties are pretty defined, right? Okay, if you work at the DMV, like your job is to do something very specific and that that's your job. But there's always going to be that sort of um, liquidity there of, well, I have access to this. Computer database, and I can you know search for something for somebody or look something
1: up that I'm mm-hmm. not supposed to look up. Even though or, it's, uh, it's breaking the law, doing it. Yeah, New even New though State. it's
0: breaking even though it's breaking the law, doing it. Or <clears throat> say, for instance, in the argument of the situation we're posing here, it would be that okay? Say we have nationwide constitutional carry, mm-hmm. but yet there's still going to be police that will use their authority to go. Well, I know what the law is, but I don't care because I hate guns. And look, I mean, part of it, it's normal, right? Like the people will use any type of power they're given to exert the will and and oftentimes their political will right. on other people. So yeah, if there's someone who gets into law enforcement and they went into law enforcement being anti-gun and let's just say the anti-gun stance got worse and worse and worse mm. as they continue to be a police officer, well then of course they're going to, you know, they're going to do what's anti-gun in their mind anyway regardless of what the laws are. So I think that's just important to kind of remember.
1: For sure. Two things come to mind when you say that. One is, uh, the, the news agencies, how back in the day, and I'm sure you remember too, they'd have to have three sources. They have to vet their, their story with three sources. Nowadays, they're just doing it and putting it out there and then maybe retracting it. Maybe not. If they get sued. They get sued. They'll, they'll deal with it then because they're in a rush to get stuff out before. Facebook does before some That's right. before the average person does, but that also goes with the law where we've got politicians putting laws forward, bills for it, I should say, to be turned into law, and they're like, okay, well, if it's if it's if it doesn't. If it's wrong, then the Supreme Court will slap us down, or the courts will slap it down on the way up. Not that it's wrong. I know it's wrong, and that's why I'm not going to even propose this bill. It's like, well, I'll propose the bill if we make it through, and it's law. At least it'll be law, and we'll curve you know, uh, the crime or whatever, which is a bunch of hogwash. Beef. Well, they're real bad about kicking the can down the road. Yeah. I mean, that's what it comes down to.
0: Yeah. Like they, they are habitual can kickers.
1: Mm-hmm. And once it's law, chances of it ever being taken out a lot and and repealed or, you know, pulled is almost nil. I mean, you barely ever see that. I mean, nunchucks were illegal since 1974 in New York State because of because of uh, Bruce Lee. They thought, you know, people are going to go out and do stuff. So they just banned it because Bruce Lee was making them a, a common household thing. 2018, it was finally just repealed and pulled out of New York law in 2018. That many years, like 40 years, right? Well,
0: you know, what's funny is look how easy it is for a law to get passed, right? Yeah. And look how difficult it is yes. to get a law removed. And and that's one of the very ambiguous and draconian issues that faces our country right now in terms of, uh, I understand that there's a, a big paradigm of people who do not support law enforcement. There's a, lot, there's a huge paradigm. of People, they're very frustrated about the way things are going on. And I think the most important thing to remember at the end of the day is that we have all these laws on the books and, you know, here you are, a law enforcement officer having to make the decision of, well, my job to enforce the law. Well, God dang, all these freaking laws. You know, so the, the, answer, for the answer always seems to be, well, let's just pass more laws, pass more laws, pass more laws, pass more laws. No. pass more laws. But really, the more laws you add to the pool, the larger the potential for abuse and the potential for tyranny becomes. Yeah. But also, not only the potential for abuse, but just the downright honest mm-hmm. misapplication of the way those laws are applied. I mean, police are not perfect, right? Police are human beings, mm-hmm. just like anyone else, sure. and we all make mistakes. We, we're not robots, okay? We don't we don't just go, you know, we're not Robocop, and you look at it and analyze it, and then it just tells you what the outcome is going to be, and that's it. Like <laughs> we don't have that luxury in life, right? right. So it's not an easy situation. It's it. So these people that say, "Well, we're going to defund the police, we're going to do this and that." I mean, that's not reality, yeah. right? Like when you it's say emotion. you want to defund the police, you don't really want to defund the police. You just don't want the law to apply to you in very specific ways. yeah. And that's normal, right? Like think about, I think where a lot of people are at right now in, in all of that. And I think it does have to do with this traveling with guns, right? Yeah, we'll get back to that. We'll get back to that. But it is related because I think that people generally just don't want to be treated like they're a part of a nanny state.
1: Sure. Right. It's so it's alone. like
0: I think people will generally can come come to the table and agree yeah you, you shouldn't rape people and kill people and, you know murder's wrong and you mm-hmm. know there's all these very specific very terrible things that society generally agrees hey this this isn't this isn't cool right? right But it gets to a point where it's like okay you have to kind of get the idea that if there's 50 states and all of them have all of these very different rules in terms mm-hmm. of how they handle guns you almost get the vibe Okay, or the feeling as a person who is just trying to go about in their freedom and and liberty and be happy that the system is sort of set up to purposely entrap you and that it is so ambiguous and so, you know, odd and and, and different and varied in in the way that it's treated, Mm -hmm. not only from an enforcement standpoint, uh, but just from a way the laws are written, period. One can almost kind of think, well, you know. This is confusing for me as a citizen who has to travel through all these places. Imagine how confusing it is to the law enforcement. Yes. Oh, you're from what state? Oh, uh, crap. Yeah. Let me look this. In. Like you know, you got a it, when it's, it's so bad that you got to have a hand manual to kind of keep right. track of it all. It's
1: like come and on, and then updates every year. Yeah, you know, and updates, updates. I mean, so that, that's actually a good segue into something that I tell my students, and I'll tell my students to make a copy of 926A of the federal law, interstate transportation. Have that with you if you travel outside of your state. Have that paper piece of paper that section of the law on you so that way if you approach law enforcement or law enforcement approaches you and, and they start questioning why you're in my state with a gun um, at least you have the law to back it up and i'm not saying hey what are you too stupid you don't know what you're talking about you just got out of the academy you're too green no that's a dumb way for you to approach it with law enforcement but you can say officer i can understand there's so many laws across the country and i mean i i mean i commend you for your job and and i'd hate to have to know all the laws and i can understand how this one you know most people aren't familiar with. And then you hand it to them. And then that way, at least you're educating them in a, in a positive way yeah. without being you know condescending or anything That's to that right. extent. So 926A, the federal law covers driving through states. Still have to abide by what you can and can't have in that state. But you're allowed to, if you don't have a pistol license, travel from point A to point B. So, for example, I'll use New York as an example. I live in New York. North Carolina accepts New York's pistol license. There's about 22 states that accepts New York's pistol license, believe it or not. But New York doesn't accept any other state's pistol license. Yeah, you can believe that for sure. Um, So driving from New York to North Carolina, uh, fully legal, as long as during that interstate transportation over state borders, uh, you don't because the law doesn't say 926 said the federal law doesn't say anything about stopping for gas, stopping to go to the bathroom, stopping to eat. Right. Stopping to spend the night doesn't say anything about that. So if you do stop and do one of those things, it would be common sense for the reasonable person to do and something happens, your gun gets stolen, you get in some kind of altercation and, and you use that gun in self defense in that state, you're not even supposed to have the gun in for defense use only for transportation use well then you could have some problems so that's why i tell people if you're going through a state that you cannot have that gun legally in it for self-defense for anything other than transporting it through the state then you need to make sure you follow 926a which says unloaded for this part back from the driver ammunition has to be separate those things which is listed in that law
0: i think that a lot of people tend to you know undervalue and, and everything like we talked earlier about verbal judo and I, I I believe very strongly in verbal judo. And I think that that can come in a lot of different forms, right? You can – now, I don't want to get into, like, the whole discussion about, you know, hey, maybe being able to use your verbal judo to get out of a potentially bad situation. Like, let's just say, with an adversary, we're not going to go there. But verbal judo is also a thing when you're dealing with law enforcement. So it's like, if you're on the side of the road, that's not the time to play lawyer, right? The best way to treat a situation is to, is to say, hey, here, here's some humans here. Like, I'm a person. They're a person. They, they, they go about their day just so, you know in the way that they're going to go about it, however they need to go about it. And it's just important to remember, like, I think, I mean, it's not exactly you know a mystery that I, I, I'm not always 100% 110% like pro-police in every every single mm-hmm. way, but it doesn't mean I don't have to be pro-police to not be a dirtbag of a person. So like right. if I'm on the side of the road and and I'm being asked a question, or if, if if I need clarification, it could be a two-way street. Like maybe it's something I don't know and I want to know, or they need information and, I, and they're relying on me for that information. It could be a, a simple exchange, just as easy as, all right, I got pulled over for speeding and It's just a simple exchange. It doesn't require a whole bunch of bull crap. It's just, it's an exchange. But I think that people tend to forget that you can actually, you can, you can do a lot better by just, by just not being a dirtbag person to begin with. Like, like, you know what I mean? Like it's how you handle a situation, not necessarily whether, whether or not you're right or wrong may actually be somewhat irrelevant depending on how you handle the situation. So yeah, you might've got pulled over for speeding or you might've got pulled over for your taillight being out. Or some type of random moving violation that was some reason for them to pull you over. And let's say the conversation came up, "Oh, uh, well, are you traveling with guns?" The way you answer that and the way you handle that could 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 very well determine which direction yeah. that conversation goes. And look, if the initial conversation was about a headlight being out or a or a speeding ticket, and and that was handled cool, and then the the situation just happened to segue into a discussion about guns. They're going to be a lot more willing to work with you and and, and do the right thing if the previous little issue was handled in a very professional and straightforward way.
1: Right. Well, yeah, that's a good point. You said headlight out because when I got here last night, I had a headlight out. Didn't even know it. Fifteen and a half hour drive. Didn't even know my headlight was out. So easily get pulled over for something like that or a taillight like you alluded to. And a lot of people, I mean... there's situations where somebody gets pulled over and they automatically assume they're being, you know, profiled or they're being harassed or something. And I, and I caution people to, to think to the sense that that officer typically is not going to be doing that. The major majority of the time, their goal is to catch bad guys. Um, and if they're pulling you over, they might be pulling you over because it's a safety thing. You got a headlight out, so it could be something as minimal as that. And usually, it's a fix-it ticket. Get it fixed within 24 hours, and the ticket goes away. It's not even anything that they're gonna you're gonna be charged with or have to do other than obviously get the headlight fixed.
0: Yeah. Very rarely have I ever had a policeman write me some type of a ticket over something like a headlight or something like yeah. that or a, t- or a blinker or whatever. Know. They just say, hey, fix it. Like, right. just just want to let you know. And that makes sense, right? It's safety, right? You, you don't want to be driving home and, and, you know, someone didn't see your turn signal or see your brake light and then you get into a collision. So, yeah, I mean, that's a reasonable... Right. Reasonable uh, request. right? So
1: so then you, you, you have that headlight out. Let's say it's a bad guy, somebody who just robbed a bank or somebody who has done something bad. They got a warrant for the arrest for fel- something felonious, right? Some felony. And then they pull them over for that or they pull up and then they, they see that they've got somebody. Somebody's in the trunk and you hear pounding in the trunk. Let me out. Let me out. Wouldn't you want that officer pulling that person over with the headlight? Right. out. I mean, so if it's something minuscule and they are pulling you over for it, even if it's improper lane change, you're speeding, you're going one mile per hour over the speed limit. Technically, you're breaking the law. So therefore, if they pull you over and it's a short inconvenience and you're on your way, and you don't get a ticket. But if the next person they pull over short inconvenience turns out to be somebody who kidnapped a kid and they're on the Amber Alert, wouldn't you want them stopping that person? So that's how I try to look at things when it comes to people. You know, wow, they just they were just harassing me. Well, really, really? I mean, they were doing their job. I mean, so just and. Major majority, I say, because there are bad people in every profession. There's people that that push their power or do wrong things in every profession that that's out there. Um, but I like to try to think the better for everybody. So don't come off with a bad attitude, like oh, they're just horrend-. No, look at it that way. If you look at it that way in a positive, or like hey, thanks for letting me know my headlight was out. Then I think that we can all be a better society by you know being in the positive versus just starting off on a negative.
0: I agree, and I, I think that part of the of the approach as well is that okay, like. A gun owner, for instance, if, if you're a person that owns a firearm, and let's say that um, something bad happens with a firearm, whether it's, a, you know, you turn on the news and there was a shooting or something, right? Some criminal activity occurred involving a firearm. You don't want society to look at you and say, well, because you own a gun, you're why this stuff happens. And to, and to place the blame on you simply right. for being a gun owner. All True. right. So how many gun owners are there that are out there just living their life, doing what they need to do and being happy and, mm-hmm. and, and not hurting us soul? versus the ones that actually do commit crimes with guns. Mm -hmm. So the same can be said that police are a microcosm of society, just like anyone else would. So it's not fair to judge gun owners for what one gun owner does, just like it's not completely 100% fair to say, oh, well, because one cop had a bad shoot or did something wrong, they're all all of a sudden bad. I think that the way a lot of people tend to approach it, I mean, I I think I'm kind of in this ballpark, is like, you know, yeah, I'm not going to give someone necessarily benefit of the doubt and assume that that a position of what they're trying to accomplish comes precisely from a good place all the time because it, it's it's quite well known that just like if police are in general a microcosm of society, uh, then we know that there are also people in our society that hate guns that love guns that mm-hmm. are you know pro law enforcement anti law enforcement pro. Uh, you know, military, anti-military, and anything in between. Or you might have a police officer because police are a microcosm of society and, and all people from all walks of life mm-hmm. become police officers. So just like I wouldn't go out into society at large and say, well, because this person looks like me or because this person looks to me like maybe they could be the same kind of guy I am and like maybe we could get along, I'm not going to just roll out the red carpet of that person and assume that just because they meet some very petty and indistinctive set of circumstances that they're my friend yeah. and and I think that that's the way you kind of have to look at it because it's a microcosm of society and laws are the same ways like think about a state New York is probably a good example mm-hmm. I mean for you especially you yeah, live in New York for sure but think about a state that has very anti-gun laws and you think man like why don't the people that live there you know like complain about it and, and, and try to get the, the, the laws changed. So one has to assume that, like, well, if the laws are the way they are in this particular area, then that, that is a representation of what the people want in that area. Now, we're also led to believe, and I believe totally this is true, right? I do believe this objectively to be true, is that there are places where laws get passed that— you, you certainly have to think, well, there's no way that they actually you know, listen to what the people really want in regards to this. They just acted in a very tyrannical way and passed the law just because they could, just because they knew they could get away with it under the guise of assuming that it's what people want. And a lot of times, laws are passed not because it's what people want, but it's because it's what politicians want. True, And they go, oh, well, we're passing this in the guise of public safety yeah your safety. Like they're worried. like they're passing a law in the hopes that it will keep them a little bit safer and and in a lot of situations, they don't really honestly necessarily care right. about what what is right for the people or even what the people want because if the will of the people was factored in in a much more distinctive way, uh, the law probably wouldn't exist to begin with. In fact, many laws wouldn't exist to begin with. Very true.
1: Yeah, and then that will of the people is well, if the people don't support it, then they'll vote us out next time, and we see that happen a lot too in the country, right? It does. Um, or they say, well, if you know, if it's if it's against uh, what the uh, you know the will of the people in a sense, then it'll go to the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court will strike it down. And I think a lot of politicians, yeah. you know, go on that mindset. You know, that's kind of like, well, you know, let me, uh, you know, let me drive down this road doing, uh, you know, zigzagging, and if I get hit by a car, then you know, that's the that's the will of the traffic. <laughs> it's just like random. Like, yeah, it's crazy. It's Russian roulette. It uh, let's circle. Let's circle back around to the other aspect. If people are going to travel with a firearm um, and that would be flying. So uh, the 926A, of the federal law covers you if you're if interstate transporting in a vehicle. Uh, if you want to fly, some people I've heard people say, well, you can't fly with a handgun. Well, no, you can fly with a handgun. You can fly with a shotgun, rifle, right? Long guns. Um, there's Machine been times, guns. Yeah. Suppressors. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Um, once again, knowing where you're coming from and where you're going to and what the laws are there is important. So for instance, if you're, you know, if you're in, uh, you know, in California and you fly, or that's bad, bad example, North Carolina, we'll go back to that one or here even, and you're going to fly from here to New York, but on the way to New York, you land in New Jersey. And, or they say the plane, something happened with the plane and you're going to have to get a hotel. We'll pay for your hotel. We'll pay for a vehicle to get you there. We'll pay for your food. Just go here, come back in the morning. We'll have a different flight for you to take from here up to New York or wherever you're going. Um, well, the second you touch those guns in New Jersey, you're breaking the law because unless you're law enforcement, you do not have a license to have a pistol license in New Jersey. If you're from North Carolina or Georgia, right? Uh, same with New York in that sense. So, If that's the case, then you need to let TSA know. Say, "Listen, I can't take my luggage because if I take my luggage, I'm in possession of firearms, and that's illegal in this state." Please get local authorities, please get, you know, port authority if it's New York City, et cetera, involved. So that way, you're not breaking the law. You got to let them be aware of that. That's one thing I've seen happen um, with people. And
0: you would think that the, you you know, that the airlines would have a little bit more, you you
1: know, you would. Totally think that that would be logical.
0: Awareness on that.
1: You think that would be a logical thing for them to do, but unfortunately, sometimes you know that is one thing carrying the firearm you have to kind of be aware of and be be cognizant of. If you get your plane gets derailed or you get put off and you're in a location where you cannot have the guns, you need to make sure you do not take possession of them. Now, the negative of that is is TSA handles it differently. Sometimes your luggage with your firearms will end up on the carousel. Sometimes they'll make you go to the office and show an ID or show the receipt. Sometimes they'll say, okay, what's your name? You know, Matt Mallory. And then they'll be okay. And they just give you like, you don't want to see an ID? Nah, no, you're good. Okay, so you mean the person in line behind me where I show the, t- the I show the the agent at the airline that the gun was, you know, I showed the gun, here it is, I signed the paper, I put it in there, I, they, I say my name, the person behind me hears that, they rush to the carousel or they rush to that office before I get off my plane, they could say on me and take my guns. I mean, yeah. I'm thinking like a criminal in that sense, and, and I'm sure that that has happened or has maybe been close to happening across the country. Um, So that's another point I get is once you get to your destination, get off that plane, don't stop, don't go to the bathroom, get straight to where your guns are, whether it's on the carousel or it's in that office and make sure you take possession of them and then go do what you got to do. Go to the bathroom, take your luggage and your guns into the stall with you so that you do not lose possession of those firearms. Oh, hundred percent. That's going to be a bad situation. You're
0: absolutely correct. And, um, so I don't really fly that much anymore, but I, I usually, I used to fly Delta quite a bit. And, uh, you know, I kind of like the process. But so basically, just to give you a real brief, you know, synopsis of how it works, like when you're trying to fly with a gun, basically you you have to have a TSA-approved lockable container with a TSA-approved lock. And usually if you go on the website of the TSA and or the airline, they'll show examples and photos and give mm-hmm. you, you know, some pretty good, you know, data on what to go on. But you, you go up to the counter and say, hey, I've got a declare firearm. firearm. And they'll open it up, and sometimes they want to, you know, want you to show they're unloaded. Which I personally think handling guns is yeah, a terrible idea. For like, sure. You know, you're way past that. Like yep. some of them, I, I think handling the guns is a bad idea. But and, and, some of and them will go, even, "Oh, we want to see it's unloaded."
1: Yeah, and they shouldn't even ask you that. No, they and they don't, and they don't have to because that card you sign, you're declaring they're right. unloaded. I'm
0: verifying. But. So you sign a little card saying, "Yes, these guns are unloaded." You put it in there. You, uh, you lock it up. Whatever, there's a TSA drop off you have to go to. So you, you, here's the weird part. So you declared it, you checked it. All right, they said, you, you know, you signed a thing saying it's not loaded. But then, all right, the person that tag, that tagged them for you, you leave them and roll it wherever over to the TSA to drop it off. And sometimes it's a few, you know, a couple of hundred yards or two or three hundred yards down the down the jetway there that you've got to go and drop it off, depending on where the TSA is at. And then you give it to them, and they put it on a freaking conveyor, and that's it. You don't see it until you get back, so it goes in the belly of the plane. But like Matt said, where the confusion always comes down to is where it winds up mm-hmm. i mean i've I've showed up to my destination before and i and i've I've seen a pelican case uh right there on the carousel, and I'm thinking,
1: I wonder what's in there
0: <laughs> well but but I'm thinking anyone could grab it yep. And sure. I mean we're talking like machine guns, suppressors, thermals. Good. I mean like uh, I, when we're traveling to go hunt somewhere and I'm taking thermals to like do some, you know, nighttime and hog th- hunting somewhere of out dollars. of state or whatever. I mean, you're talking $25,000 worth of crap yeah. in in a case. Right. I mean, not only the the fiscal Irresponsibility of hey they could lose a twenty five thousand dollar Pelican case, but also I mean okay what 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 if what if some very terrible horrible dangerous person takes okay. that case and cracks it open? They're like all right well I've got machine guns now. Now from what I understand, the the airlines have gotten much better about you know not putting those things out on the on the carousel. Sometimes they they screw up and they do it, but there's usually like when you get your destination, like Matt said, there's usually like a desk you have to go to like a service desk for bulk items and you go, hey, I'm here to I'm here to get my bulk items and then they'll, you know, of course, they'll ask for the ticket or your name or whatever at that point i've even but, they, but don't always assume that they're gonna that it's gonna not gonna go on the carousel way, right. be prepared for anything book it. yeah get off your plane yeah. and book it to the carousel yeah. and make sure you get there before the stuff starts coming out do not play around because right. if your guns wind up on the carousel they're free game anyone could grab it it's not like anybody's gonna check and that's scary
1: yeah it is and, and i've actually had it where uh back in the day they used to put a red tag in there that would say firearms and they stopped doing that because it's like, you know, beacon for steal me, steal me, steal mm-hmm. me. So they stopped doing that. But recently, a year ago, I think, or so, I flew flew back into Syracuse. And I walk up and I'm waiting in the, looking in the office there. I'm not seeing anything. not see anything. And I'm also watching the carousel. And lo and behold, my luggage comes out with that red tag. You know, it's it's a red tag. It doesn't say firearms, but it's, it's a red tag that's like sensitive item and it was not in the office it was on the carousel and i took a picture of him posting on facebook i'm like well look at the stuff there you know this what happened here yeah um so yeah you're i mean it's a it's a employee of the airport that's taking the stuff off and maybe they're hurrying you know mistakes happen etc so you just be diligent about that to make sure you get hands on it now another well, maybe any-
0: somebody was just traveling with their brooms that's all you know it's a 60 <laughs> inch pelican case and it's like well this person must really care about yeah.
1: their mops and brooms or yeah, i don't right? know
0: or their fishing poles you know
1: so there's there's two aspects to uh, to carrying. You, you had alluded to a case that's TSA approved, um, and it uh, can't be a soft sided case, so it has to be a hard sided case, metal or plastic, not hard plastic, rigid plastic. Um, they can't open it and put their hand in and touch. If they put their hand in and touch any firearm, even if they can't get the gun out, if they can put their finger on a firearm in there, then then they won't let you fly with it. I've I've had that happen where I've had longer shanked locks, and the locks go through the hole, and they unlocked it, and they were able to open it and reach in and touch it. Now. That When I did that, that was an airsoft gun. And they're like, oh, you can't fly with this." I'm like, it, I don't even have to declare it. And they're like, no, no, you do. I'm like, no, I don't have to declare it. So technically, it doesn't even have to be locked. And I had to get like two or three levels of management involved. And they researched it. And it delayed my time. And I've got a badge. So I felt a little more comfortable about communicating with them in that level. I usually tell my students, don't argue. Just make sure that you go there ahead of time if you're going to bring anything that looks like a firearm. Because most of them don't even know what a firearm is. Looks like or how it functions. That's why they tell you to show it's unloaded when they don't have to. They don't know. There's so much inconsistency between the employees there. Some will tell you to show that it's unloaded and they're, they they don't have to. And actually, it's a level of safety in my mind, um, like you had said, Eric. Um, so usually I say, do as long as it's to some level of, okay, I'm just going to do what they say so that I don't have to mess with the hassle. Like if they ask me to show it's unloaded, I'll show them it's unloaded. Um, now, if I got 15 guns and I'm in a hurry, And I want to press it. I'm like, okay, is it going to be faster for me to show them it's unloaded or is it going to be faster for me to be the manager involved for them to override this person in front? That's right. So I got to kind of weigh it based on how my schedule is going that day. Um, but I know what it is, but that doesn't mean I need to be belligerent about it or be upset about it. I just be all right, they don't know. And then after I'm done and I've applied or, uh, complied with what they want, I might educate them. Be like, Hey, just so you know, I don't have to show you they're unloaded, but you know, not being difficult because I don't want you to not, not let me on the plane. And then they usually laugh, you know, and then, and I'll just let them know, you don't, I don't have to show you they're unloaded. That's what the cards for. But I just want to let you know, check check that because I want you know I want to make sure that you're you're doing everything right and you don't get in trouble. Sure, you know.
0: And you know, I've I've actually wound up um, in a couple of situations before at the airport where I've gone to declare guns, and of course the checkout clerk that is you know helping me out with the uh, with declaring the firearms is like, oh, I watched the channel. You know, where are nice. y'all going? Like, I've had I've had a few people go, "What are you bringing?" That's like, awesome, and they want to see what you you know and. I always try to be, you know, nice, and and if they ask me questions, I'm like, yeah, that's a blah blah blah. Like I'll tell them, but I have had a few of them, you know, recognize us and and be like, oh, where y'all going? Y'all going hunting? Or that's always what they ask. Are you going hunting somewhere? (laughs) You know, but it's just funny that you know sometimes you will get the occasional employee at, at at you know whether it's TSA. I've even had TSA people go, oh, hey, you know, like know who I am, right? So anyway, without without going too far on that rabbit hole, yes, you can fly with guns. Yes, Yes, you can travel with guns. There are a lot of confusing things out there and it's important to, you know, try to stay abreast as much as you can about, you know, what the different laws are in the states that you're going to travel through Mm -hmm. and what your destination, most importantly, your destination state for sure. Um, and everything like that. So it is important to make sure you're on top of all of that. Um, but be careful, you know, when you're looking at information on the Internet, let's say that, you know, you might see some concealed carry page that lists like has a list of 50 states and then it tells you, you know, a lot of the stuff. Uh, make sure all of that all of that information is, is up to date because it it's not uncommon for that. Those websites uh-huh. to not get updated as often. And you might be looking at some old data.
1: Right. And the way, it may I, not be applied anymore. And the way I tell people is have a few sources, like the old newspapers, right? you're supposed to vet three sources. Have like two or three websites that you can go to and verify that it all matches. If all three websites have the same exact data, then you're probably pretty safe that they've all, sure. you know, they all can't be wrong. I mean, they could be, but the likelihood's less. Um, but if you find inconsistency, let's say two of them say that you can bring the gun from this state that they recognize the pistol license, but this third website says that it doesn't, well, where they get that data from is from the state, like Florida. It's from the ag, ag, right? Agricultural, uh, other states, most states, it's the attorney general. So yeah. go to the state's website, go right to the horse's mouth. The one that's the chief law enforcement officer for that state, which is usually the AG, and then look at the AG's website and see what they say. And, and that's where you're, that's where they're getting the data from is from that, that, that agency at the state level that dictates what, you know, what's been written into law. So that there.
0: You know, you could also, if you really wanted to, let's say that, I don't know, there's some popular carry website that lists the laws or something like that. And let's say you've you've done your due diligence and you've looked up as much information as you can and you come to the conclusion, well, all right, this is what I'm going to use as my information to, to, you know, decide how I'm going to travel. Print it out. Print the page yeah, out and sure. take it with you. So, all right, you're pulled over by law enforcement and they go, well, you shimmed when you should have shammed. But at least you can say well look I mean I tried to do the best of my ability to do my due diligence mm-hmm. and here this is what this is what I saw. Right. Okay and if it's wrong at least they can say okay well this is what the law is this is you know, educate you on on what what this is but it, they definitely can't say that you didn't at intent. least try. right? What was See, your again, intent? it goes back to intent. It's yeah. like they can't at that point say that your intention was to break some law. No, right. your intention was to try to follow the laws so mm. you don't get into trouble. Right. So sometimes having some supporting documents, whether you printed it off on the AG's website mm. or on the state website, whatever it took. I mean, I'll be honest, the way I kind of treat all of this when I'm traveling, I just, I just go where I need to go. I mean, I, I generally don't make a big deal about it. I kind of always go, well, I mean, I'm going to obviously look at, at at what those state's laws are, if there's something really, re- especially with carrying a gun. Yeah. Traveling with a gun, I, I tend yeah. to not really worry about it that much. I just put whatever I'm taking in the case, and I put locks on it yeah. or whatever, and it's there. And then I usually have my travel guns that stay out of the case. But it just depends on where I'm going. I mean... I did end up getting one of those Virginia permits, mm-hmm. and it, before they changed the they changed the rules, and they made it to where out of state people couldn't get the Virginia permit quite as well. In yeah. Virginia, their permit is good in a lot of states, like thirty nine states. Yeah. So that's one way you can kind of get around it is to have whatever permit is in your home state, and then if you can get a Virginia permit, it's right. like. Yeah, they, Dude, it, it really, it gives you a lot of for flexibility. For sure.
1: Yeah, the Utah and Florida are the two that I, uh, I do in my, I teach in my multi-state class. Uh, and usually for New York, at least, and every state's a little different as far as where their license is accepted in other states. Texas is a good one. Pennsylvania is a good one. So mm-hmm. residents of Texas, Pennsylvania, Georgia, Virginia, they have a, a lot because they're. Very pro gun states. Uh, when you're in New York, there's like, like I said, like 22 other states that accept New York's. And then if you add Utah and Florida, you're at like 37 total. So, sure. you know, but, um, you mentioned something earlier as far as the, uh, TSA looking at it. One other thing that I advice I give people is once you, once that, firearm, whether it's a small case, of like one gun in your luggage um, is locked up in your luggage, or you've got a, a separate case with multiple guns, or even a separate box that's big enough to go on its own as a car- as a uh, check bag. Um, once it's turned over to TSA for them to x-ray it, because they'll x-ray it. Um, I usually wait like 10, 15 minutes, and I ask the agent there to verify and give me a thumbs up that everything's okay. And the reason I do that is because if they can't x-ray through that case to see what's in it, then they're going to want to come out to you and ask you to open it. Because by the law, it says you're the only one supposed to have the, the the key to get into it. So if it's that's the case, it's not a TSA. if it's not a TSA-approved lock and they can't open it with their handy-dandy multifaceted skeleton key, then they're going to ask you for the lock or ask you to you know, give them the key to unlock it, um, which they shouldn't. They should bring the box to you or bring you to the box, but usually they don't. Um, and I've had that happen once in Syracuse where they couldn't x-ray because it, it was such a heavy, thick case. Box that the X rays wouldn't see through it, so they came out. They're like, "Well, we need the key." I'm like, "Wait, well, you can't have the key. it's I'm the only one supposed to have the key." And they're like, "Yeah, but we need the key to get inside of it and make sure there's nothing bad in there." I'm like, "Okay, well then bring the box to me." Well, we can't do that. I'm like, "Well then bring me to the box." Well, like we can't do that. It's a secure area. I was like, "So we're in a conundrum here because you're telling me to break federal law and give you the key to my box when." Right. You can't x-ray through it. And and then he came out and said, well, you know, he got a manager manager came out with some paperwork. Well, we've got a local uh, order that says you can you can give us the key. I'm like, that doesn't trump federal law. (laughs) Like, so what do we do here? Well, it'll all be on camera. And like, so what if I don't give you the key? Well, then we got to give you your luggage back so you can leave. So you can give me my luggage yeah you know i was like so you just told me you couldn't bring it out for me to open it to show you what's in it but yet you can give it to me to leave yeah so i gave him, i was like fine i gave him the key you know begrudgingly but um so just be aware of stuff like that sometimes they're going to ask you to do things that don't make sense that are not right um but at some point it's kind of like you're either going to be difficult and they're not going to let you fly <laughs> or you might not fly because it's going to take so long to go through the process that you miss your flight so you, yep. you're kind of in a
0: I would always suggest that if you're going to fly with guns, you need to get at the airport yeah. at least a couple of hours early. I mean, I know it sucks, but that's just the reality of flying right. with guns. For sure. So I think in all of this, that covers it pretty well. Yeah. You know, we wanted to kind of go down the rabbit hole of like what it's like to travel with guns because there's a lot of confusion and mainly I wanted to go over so much detail. I know this was a long gun gripe, but I wanted to go over a lot of detail and get into the, into the minutiae of some of this because I know we have a lot of new gun owners mm-hmm. and Look, when you're new to guns, it's not always the cool thing to be like, oh, well, let me study up on what the laws are. You know, the the characteristic many of us have is, well, I'm a gun owner, you know, and they want to go out and, and train and, mm-hmm. and shoot. I mean, and obviously, heck yes, of course, being a gun owner, y- yeah, have fun with your gun, it, it, exercise your right. Yep. Uh, but, like, those those sort of, like, I guess responsibilities that we have uh, would definitely come down to, to understanding, like, What can and will happen to you if you don't do the right thing when you're traveling with firearms. So for sure, keep that in the back of your mind. And I would say in all of my travels, I I can't necessarily say I've ever had a real major issue while I'm out on the road. And I've gone through various states uh, with guns, no problem. Now, is that just to say that I ran into the right people and none of them gave me a hard time or that I wasn't drawing attention to myself and didn't get pulled over for some stupid reason? Okay, what were the the end-all, do-all situations that caused me to not have an issue? Well, I can't necessarily say I know, know what those reasons mm-hmm. are, but I can say that I've never really had too much of an issue traveling with guns. I mean, use common sense, sure. right? If it feels right. It's probably right. If it doesn't feel right, it's probably not right. Do your due diligence. See where you're traveling through. See where your destination is. Do your best to adhere to whatever those laws are, so Mm -hmm. you don't run into a problem and don't draw attention to yourself. Very true. Like you know, don't be that the you know, don't be the the mouse that the cat's going to jump out and grab. Right. Just stay to yourself. Be be simple and just. Go to your destination and do your right.
1: thing. And one and one real last quick thing uh, with law enforcement: don't fight them on the street, right? They're going to win. They got a they got a posse that'll come to their aid if you're you know being belligerent and whatnot. If you don't agree with what's going on, then take it take it in court. Go to court with it, right? Because if even if they're what they're arresting you for or they're charging you with, will say uh, is wrong, and you believe it's wrong, and you know it's even wrong, and you and they're going to arrest you for it, and you willingfully don't go with the arrest. Now you're resisting arrest. And therefore that is a charge. And that's where other things keep getting added on. So people, yeah. people don't get that. Like, well, they're wrong. They shouldn't be arresting me. Well, true. That might be, but because they are arresting you, that and you're resisting arrest. That is a charge that could stick. It might get thrown out, might not, but yeah. it's making it worse. Don't make it worse. Just okay, officer. Whatever you say. You know, get make sure it's on camera. Your camera, their camera, and then move forward from that and take it to court. And it's going to be better to handle it that way than to get into a you know let tempers rise. You know, verbal judo. Yeah, uh, go back to that mindset.
0: I think verbal judo is a pretty important policy to have when it comes to this sort of stuff. And it it is a two way street. I mean, verbal judo comes in the form of the cops being cool and you being cool and. You know, sure. there, there's a lot of conjecture and misunderstanding that a lot of people have, not only with law enforcement, but even even on that two way street of the way law enforcement engage with civilians. So, mm-hmm. you know, I th- I think it's best that people kind of take a step back and be like, look, you know, I'm going to utilize my verbal judo. I'm going to be a good human being. I'm going to treat this person like I want to be treated. And you know what? At the end of the day, I hope that they have the same sanctity for uh, that type of behavior that I do. And that maybe they'll recognize that and go, you know what? This person's not a jerk. Uh, Let's just agree to disagree and move on with life. And and, and most of my encounters (laughs) with law enforcement have have generally been like that. I don't patronize anybody. I I just try to be who I want to be, and I try to treat people like I want to be treated. Does that always work? No, it may not always work. But does it work most of the time? Yeah, it does. It certainly does. So big thank you to all of our Patreon supporters for tuning in to today's Gun Gripe. Uh and I appreciate you joining us yeah, Matt for fun. this particular gripe. I know we're gonna be cutting some other videos, yeah. but this was one that was kind of um in our in our minds. I'm glad we were able to, you know, hash it out. And uh I wanted to get some of your perspective on this sure. because you know, you do travel with guns a lot yes. and you're a law enforcement officer, so you kinda of see it from both, both ends sides, for sure of this situation. So two that's good uh, perspective.
1: Two links for people to be able to use. Is that okay? Give yeah. Uh, USCCA and concealedcarry.com, both of those uh, websites have the travel reciprocity map, so that, that could be useful for people to be able to research to know laws from state to state. But once again, vet them. If, the, if there's inconsistencies between the two at all, use the AG's office like we talked about earlier.
0: Sure. And before we leave uh, here today, how can folks find you? Um, uh,
1: meetthepressers.com. So meetthepressers.com. And that links to PSNED, my training company, and Clint, uh, Trigger Pressers Union's uh, training company. And you're well. on YouTube as well? Yes. Yep. Meet Meetthepressers on everything. So that's the easiest way to, to at least find on our, all, the our, yep, cool. all the socials.
0: Yep. All the socials. Outstanding. Well, I appreciate you joining me today. And uh, I, I really appreciate y'all watching. I hope everybody has a great week. And understand that what we're trying to do in these conversations is we want to educate people. We want, you know, folks to be safe and happy. And we want every, everybody, no matter who they are and where they're at in life, uh, to have the tools uh, at their disposal to defend life and liberty, to protect themselves, and to be, you know, Uh, good members of society and to uh, travel safely. So we hope you understand that was the guise of this discussion. So um, have yourselves a great day, a great week. Thanks for tuning in. Many more videos on the way. We'll see you soon.